everybody, it's Keith Rainwater with Designated Drummer, and I am in the coolest place ever. It's like a paradise. It's actually drum paradise. It's yes, actually it is. A drum paradise, and this is uh, Harry McCarthy, the owner, and we've got AJ and Grayson. And I can't even. How do you say that? Grayson. Grayson. Yeah, I don't know. I've never. I've Grayson, the Grayson. GQ model. And we're here at Drum Paradise in Nashville. And drum. In case you don't know, Drum Paradise is a place where. So if you're a drummer playing in the studio or somebody coming touring through town, you don't carry a kit with you or you just want a brand new, really nice kit to play either in the studio or live or whatever, you come here. And this, this place is the has, place. This is the mm-hmm. place that has all the best. We aim to please. Yeah, that's right. So Harry, uh, you started out in Los Angeles, in LA, right? Or- yeah, uh, in the early 80s, <clears throat> a friend of mine, drummer Rick Morata, we grew up in the same neighborhood, right. and Rick was going out to L.A. to work, and needed. he asked me if I'd drive his car out, and it just happened to be a DeLorean. You're kidding me. And that was fun, because I kept- Did you get, make it? I made it, <laughs> I made question. it, but I kept getting stopped by state troopers right. going, what is that? What is that, a time machine? <laughs> it was before the movie came out. But anyway, uh, the Back to the Future movie. Anyway- right. Got out to LA, um, aspirations of playing drums, like so many, and uh, I'm pretty eager to, to work, and um, a friend of Rick's knew somebody who had like a boutique cartage company, it was called Leeds, it was Rehearsal Cartage. Coming from New York, I didn't realize that there was an actual business, like cartage. Called Cartage, what is that? What yeah. is that? And... This company did cartage for the elite studio musicians, and um, it was pretty amazing. I, I ended up going for a job interview, and, and the owner of the business asked me if I could start like that night, and I didn't. I Just being new to L.A., I didn't really know my way around, of course, and he was like, well, you can read a map book. There was no GPS of course, on your yeah. phones. You had the but map book. Anyway, worked there, and it was like kind of going to school, like going yeah. to like a music now, school. Then, did you have kits or anything, or you just basically took, had somebody else's kit that you went and set up and that kind of thing, right? Um, they rented drums. They rented. They did backline. Yeah. Um, but they did cartage for top players. And long story short, with the L.A. part of it, like um, they had Harvey Mason and some of the Toto guys, and I'm in a truck moving gear for like some of the coolest musicians out there. And this is back in the heyday when studios were going seven days. Yeah, the golden era of of studio work. Yeah, yeah, film, TV. So um, I I really kind of embraced the job and um kind of ended up running the drum department and then drummers would request me to do their setups because i'm pretty detail oriented right and then decided to break out on my own so would you do things like take polaroid pictures of the setup and kind of know what kind of references did you use did you have drawings um how well, you knew? once i did the setup once or twice and you know, would be there to meet the drummer and before he started playing, uh, I'd look it over with him and see if there was anything that he would want me to do. Yeah. And once 
I can just look at something and pretty much when it comes to drums, just remember it. Yeah. You know, for a particular setup. Now, here's a question for you that I've always kind of wondered. Now, I noticed that cartridge companies bring drums to the studio and they, a drum tech, which is kind of what a cartridge, what you are in a sense, a studio <laughs> drum tech. You're setting up the drums, you're getting it right, you're um, getting them out of the cases and stuff like that. But live, you're there all the time. Like while the drummer's playing his gig, you're on call the whole time. Yeah, like you're it, watching him like a hawk. But in the studio, you sort of set it up and leave, right? Yeah, they're two separate things. They're yeah. completely different in the sense of, yes, you're setting up the equipment. Uh, for studio work we're kind of in and out we fly under the radar we do the delivery and set up the night before if we can when you're working out on the road you're part of the machine where you go in crew crew call set the stuff up you got to do a line check the band comes in and does sound check and each on on a touring high touring level each musician has their own tech right so you're looking after them. And yeah. I've been very fortunate and blessed. I've done it for so, my drumming heroes. It was, I mean, to sit behind Steve Gadd or wow. Jeff Picaro or Rick Murata or, you know, there's so many guys where y- y- I'm like, Had, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's learning a cool, their personalities. It's a, it's a and- cool job. It's great. Yeah. And you don't want to be overbearing. You got to kind of learn the personality and give them their space. Yeah. And, and be and there when they need something. Absolutely. You know. you know, be ready for anything, you know, spare bass drum pedal, other spare snare drum, you know, little things, yeah. but you definitely don't want something to go wrong where the show stops. Right. Definitely. And it's, yeah. and it's on in you. your, it's in your <laughs> world. Yeah. And you're getting the evil eye from the artist. You don't want yeah. that. But it's it's interesting to me how like you set up drums for the studio and then you leave and then if they need something if something's not right if there's something's missing is that they, are you on call do they call well, you or for our clients if if something comes up yes we are kind of on call like we're we're open day and night pretty much and even on the weekends but the studio stuff you got to remember their equipment is here at Drum Paradise, so AJ and Grayson will prep it if needed, change heads, if if it's something particular. But no, when it goes to the studio, it gets set up. We aim for a hundred percent. You know, kind of check it out, make sure everything. Yeah, we we, we just missing. we just want to set it up so when they come in, they're ready to go. You know. Drummers like to fidget, but we like to get it. We have carpets, drum rugs. Yeah. They're all marked, most of our clients. And the stuff is set up where it's ready. There's now, no like... How does that like, work for someone like Paul Lime here? Does he have his kits here in well, your building? Well, I don't do... I don't... We don't work for Paul. Oh, okay. Um, well, Paul's, say it's just Paul's a amazing and, and uh, he's got a guy, I believe it's Jim Hanley, who looks mm-hmm. after his stuff and he's been with him a very long time yeah so i guess my question is a given drummer that, that yeah uses like chad cromwell cartage. lonnie wilson yeah. greg morrow shannon forrest their stuff is here it's here and it's here it their own little shelf or something yeah each guy corner. has an area and we have a lot of gear to look after so yeah. i'm a stickler on keeping the shop really organized i'm lucky to have these guys because it makes it easy to pull the gear 
and put it on a truck and drive it to the studio. And then when it comes back, we want it in the same place. Right. I don't like stuff overlapping and somebody's snare drum is in another area and yeah, we're missing right. a cymbal bag. That's the kiss of death. Yeah. And and I guess for your clients, you also keep the drums clean and all that kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, I built my business on very basic principles of just basic maintenance. Like I always treat somebody's drums as if they were my own change heads you know if if needed keep the drums clean and really look after them yeah you know so they look not only sound great they look great but uh, let me just clarify the studio scene we don't just set up the drums and like run out of there there are occasions where they'll want us to get drum sounds for the drummer, of course, when the drummer comes in, it's a different thing. He's of the course. player. Yeah. But it's a nice, per- I hate to say perk. It's there's an advantage to just getting levels. Yeah. Right. With an engineer and getting everything dialed in. Right. So then the next morning, they're ready to go. Yeah. There's no surprises or anything. Yeah. yeah and then gotcha. if if uh, like if one of the guys is playing AJ or Grayson, and, and they hear something a little funny or something needs to be retuned it's better to do it then yeah. than when they're in the middle of the session so it's pretty important for a drum tech or if that's what you're calling yourself to be a drummer to be a drummer absolutely i've had drum techs before that weren't drummers they came from an audio or some other background and they were trained how to set everything up and how to tune and all that stuff but they're not a drummer so you could see where the advantage would no be. it's a huge yeah. plus yeah i mean i've always <clears throat> surrounded myself with guys that can play you know, and relate to the equipment and the job. So I guess another big question I have is you're a drummer, you're doing this job at Drum Paradise, you're setting drums up, you're carted, you're doing the cartage. What's to keep you from getting a gig playing drums? Like, why would you do this and not, because obviously you want to play for a well, band. that's a great question. You know. For me personally, <clears throat> my ship has come and sailed. I'm, an, I'm old, but... That's a really good question because when I started out, my attitude was, I made sure my attitude was never, I should be playing, I'm better than this guy that I'm working for. If it was like a new drummer in town, I don't mean like one of the LAA session guys, but it doesn't, you know, I've, uh, I'm kind of have an entrepreneur spirit so I've kind of, I believe it or not, when I was younger, I was able to do both. I played in some great bands and recorded, you know, everybody's got a story of musically, but I always liked being in the business and being around drums. And that's uh, kept me moving forward to build my business. Yeah. As far as AJ and Grayson go, they, they both play great. Um, they're gonna play. They're playing now. AJ's in a band, so we deal with it when it comes up. Um, I would never squash anybody's dream. Who am I to go? You should just be moving drums. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so right. it's it's just. I don't want to be rambling about it, but it's all attitude. Yeah, right. It could. I know guys that work here. You know, we all know there's other jobs out there that. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be on a roof in the summertime. Yeah. As opposed to being around. Yeah. Uh, 
I could see like on a movie set or something, if some focus puller is a good director in their own right, they wouldn't step in front of the director and go, hey, whoa, what are you doing? This this doesn't look right. You know, yeah, you got to know your place yeah, and you got to yeah. you know, declare year, yourself. You know, when years ago, um, Kenny Aronoff, who we worked for in L.A., called me when he was from the studio and said, hey, man, I just got to let you know, I just got like somebody's cassette and note under the door. It's this guy that works for you. Like... He's pushing his, you know, demo tape. And that guy didn't work for me much longer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's a, yeah. you know, it's like anything else. You know, it, you want people around to do the job, but you, you got to make them also so know. In the beginning, you were thinking of it more more or less, you were thinking more career this and, and not just like, oh, I'll do this for a while and then maybe I'll go play No, it later. was never for a while. Like for me, once for you, I- it was like. Yeah, I, I did it at a at a company, but then once I broke out on my own, uh, it just took off. Yeah, and it became I, your bread and butter. And yeah, I thought that's. But I always this. had. I was fortunate enough to surround myself with good people that worked with me, and I was able to go on the road, and make money, and make money in town. So yeah. I had two streams of income. And now you had an uncle back in. New York that played right. Yeah, that played in a jazz. Yeah, and that's thanks for bringing that in. up. My my mom's brother, Uncle Eddie, my uncle Eddie, Eddie Julian. He was a hot shot drummer in the late '30s, early '40s, big band. And in my office, I have um, an endorsement photo of him for Slingerland. But yeah, wow. he used to send me drumsticks. There's a drum head there. There it is, right there. Oh, there it Keech, is, Eddie Julian. He sent me drumsticks like. When I was seven, oh, wow. like I'd just get a box of drum. You know what it's like to get a box of drumsticks, which was maybe ten drumsticks in a box, right. because I would use spoons and oh, right. play on yeah. cardboard boxes when yeah. I was a kid, and they sounded pretty good, by the way. That was my first. I got a good kid. sound. Out of you, uh, you tuned them well. Yeah, yeah. I got a yeah. good sound. Yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. he, I, you know, along along the way, there's obviously you have your people that inspire you. Yeah, you know. And he kind of got you started playing drums. Yeah, I, I guess, grew up you know, in a real yeah. musical family. Like, you know, my uncles played instruments and my mom sang and all that. But a game changer was living four or five houses away from Jerry and Rick Marotta. Yeah, the Maratas. In, in Los Angeles. And when I was a teenager, instead of doing homework, I was in their basement on a school night listening to their band rehearse. Wow. And then, the and I'm going as far back as 12 years old, 13. Yeah. So I would just sit on the step in the basement and watch these guys play, and they were they could play. Wow. And, That's you know, amazing. I'd get to sit in sometimes. But that just being exposed wow. to all of that. You were in good company. Good company then, and, sure. and getting out to L.A. and being thrown into this whole cartage business that I never even knew existed – I uh, I went for it. Yeah. You know, I went for it on my own. And then uh, I took on a partner, Jeff Chonis, who, who's Ringo's tech. Okay, right. Still. Wow. 30 plus years. Dang. My former partner, Jeff. We still talk. But uh, yeah, we had a good... I took on a partner in, in uh, 89 and we formed Drum Paradise. Right. We had in, five, in Los Angeles. Yeah, in Los then, Angeles. We have five great years. And then in 94, you moved... 90, was it 94? 
Yeah, that's nine, when I moved here. So we good one, we have Keech. something in common. Yeah, you did your homework. <laughs> it was a good year. Ninety four. Um, I was doing some tech work for Michael McDonald, and uh, Michael had just bought a house here, and um, he was like, "Hey, man, you got to check out Nashville. It's really nice." And this is before the earthquake, and this is when I kept hearing Music City, Music yeah. City, Music yeah. City. So personal reasons, my daughter was three. And I rolled the dice, and my family's from New York. My wife's family is from New York, so it would be easier to see them. Sure, being in Nashville than LA. So yeah, and uh, I rolled the dice and went for it in '94 and moved here. And it yeah. was really very difficult getting my business going. Was it really? Because I, th- I think difficult. mid '90s would have been like the golden era of like Nashville. It was record, record business. And it stuff. was, but I was on the outside looking in. <sighs> Like people are very loyal here. Was there already uh, a cartridge great. company here? Oh yeah, there is like four or five. Oh, but there wasn't one just doing one thing particular. Like I just wanted to do drums. Yeah, you know now we do more right. than drums because people like the way we handle equipment. But um, yeah, it was just a tough go the first year, year and a half. And luckily, I was out on the road with Steve Gadd. He was drumming for Al Jarreau. Yeah. I had some income. And then um, my first client, who I'm indebted to, everybody laughs about it, but Chad Cromwell. Okay, right. Great guy, great badass drummer, opened the door for me here. Um, uh, Somebody referred me to him, and I went to see him play in a club, and we talked and went down to a studio that his cartridge company delivered, and I changed heads for him and he liked the way I tuned the drums he goes yeah I think I want to do this once I started working for Chad it kind of got out around town man there's this guy in town that sets your stuff up he'll look after your equipment he'll get drum sounds for you if you want to drive your kid to school in the morning he'd get he wants to get the drums in the night before like that wasn't so your attention to detail was your ticket yeah your ticket and, in, and right? I and and at first, I never came to Nashville going, hey, I'm going to show you guys how to do it. No, it was never like that. But I did bring some of the uh, ways of doing it there, here. So when I did have Chad, and I knew he was working at a studio, and I'd call there and talk to an engineer, this is early on. I'd be like, can I come by now with the drums? And he'd be like, I, I, yeah, I don't see why not. Like, it was like a new thing, like, yeah, re- wow. yeah okay, yeah, well, that's, yeah, I can mic That's them. one way to do it, okay, well, yeah. I, well, jeez, I, can, <laughs> I, I guess I can mic them up, too, and it just made it a little bit easier in the mornings yeah. when three cartridge companies are fighting for the loading dock. Right, yeah. But there are companies that would just kind of push the stuff in and split, yeah, you know, right. and I'd always uncase it, and so anyway. I just, however somebody wanted their equipment set up, I just was trying to go for 100%. So they'd be like, yeah, this guy's happening. So here in Nashville, did you start out with this same building here? Or no, was it no, a different no, building, no. maybe a one truck or something like that? Yeah, that's a funny story. Um, I rented, I subleased some space out of a, an audio company called Sound Image on Cowan Street. I had a, a 10 by 10 10 by 20 warehouse space and 
as I grew, I kept getting more space there, but I always wanted to have my own location. I I wanted my own shop, my own building. And um, I found this area. It's called Berry Hill. We're right on yeah the the border. and it's interesting there's, there's a lot of studios right out here a lot of studios have, have and been um, here and that are coming that are still coming yeah so keach i was fortunate enough to work really hard but as far as getting a truck a funny story real quick story my first truck was a rider used truck and it was of course yellow and i was delivering lonnie wilson to a studio and it was after the oklahoma bombing Oh, right. The rider truck. And I was loading oh. out Lonnie's drums through the front door of the studio. And some smartass goes, man, I hope there's no dynamite in that truck. <laughs> and I was like, you mother. <laughs> like, so I had to get my truck painted. Yeah. Like, yeah. the next <laughs> this day. This will never do. <laughs> I painted my first truck was blue and I put a palm tree on it. Wow. And then I saw that guy again. I went, you see that truck out there? Get used to seeing it. You're going to see yeah. it a lot. And there's no dynamite in it. Come on, seriously. Yeah, but anyway, that's, <laughs> I mean, it was, I re, I, yeah, it was a tough time for me and my family when I moved to Nashville. But smartest, best move I ever made. Yeah, yeah. Because LA's great. I go back there to work a lot, but we're closer to our family. My daughter had a great childhood here and I did catch the wave in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Now like, when you were out on the road doing uh, drum teching and that kind of thing, and you still had drum paradise, did you just have a part, somebody that took care of things here in Nashville yeah. uh, while you, yeah, I had a couple of guys people that, that and you yeah. would just check in with them every day and make yeah, sure. Yeah. And I, I'd be back quite a bit, you know, you, you're kind of in and out of town. Never as day's rest, is it? No, but the <laughs> difficult time for that was, is when I was in Europe, um, working for Max Weinberg with Springsteen. Right. That was 12 years of touring globally. And that was pretty intense doing that yeah. and keeping my business going. What was um, Max's kit? It looks pretty simple when you look at it. Was it pretty, was it pretty easy to do? Yeah, or was it's pretty it straight complex ahead. Yeah, behind Max, the scenes? Yeah, Ma- Max is... Uh, He's got a simple kit, you know, but he yeah. plays the fire well, out of it. Well, it's less is more. Yeah, you know, and right. his whole thing when he auditioned with Bruce, the story goes is all these drummers that auditioned had five Tom Toms. Mm-hmm. They kept bringing in more gear, more gear, and Max came in with his. That was a case that just fell. <laughs> uh, that yeah, was a drum roll, literally. Yeah, that drum roll. One of my clients is going to sue empty me. Case, it's empty. No, empty <laughs> snare case. Anyway, so yeah, um, great, so he great came experience in there with a, working with a from small kit and yeah, got that's the gig. that's his. I think Kenny Arnoff uh, has the same story. He was I was listening to his audiobook. Uh huh. So when Kenny Arnoff auditioned for John Cougar Mellencamp, it was just John Cougar at the time, and uh, he brought in all these toms because jazz fusion in the mid seventies, late seventies was the cool thing, and he brought in all these toms and everything and. John was kind of like, eh, that's okay, you know. And Kenny Arnoff learned that, well, you know, he doesn't care about a thousand toms and all these licks and stuff like that. He wants the meat and potatoes, just the basic, Backbeat. you know. And that's how Kenny Arnoff started playing just his simple kit, you know. That's yeah. what he wanted. Kenny's awesome. Yeah. So, Keech, that's another thing that we offer. You know, we work for drummers that don't live here. Right. 
you know, John Robinson was in a few weeks ago. Sean Pelton comes and different guys when they're working in Nashville, we pretty much have anything they need. They call ahead of time and say, hey, I'm going to be, here's where I'm going to be. Yeah. You know, this is what I'd like, you know, can you, you know, send me a list of what you got and, and I've, I've had great support from all the drum companies through the years. That's great. Because that's what I do is I offer for Drum Workshop, for Yamaha, for Pearl, for Craviato, guys that need equipment and they don't want to ship it air freight or freight it in, it's more cost effective for them to rent. You know, or if you're an endorsee, you don't pay rent for the gear, but we bill you for cartage. You know, yeah. and getting the stuff there. That's cool. Um, do uh, you said you have a relationship with a lot of these drum companies? And one of my questions I had for you is how how have you and do you still? How do you acquire all the kits that you are you constantly looking for deals? Are some? Do you have a? Yeah, I've I've collected and and purchased a lot of drums through the years, but the companies that I work with, you know, we don't make a habit of it, but we keep the inventory updated yeah so we can offer so say if mapex or somebody comes out with a brand new series yeah this is our new blah 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 series you're on it usually or do you kind of wait and see we wait we wait we don't run out and go we have to have it you know and my philosophy is drums are drums everybody's making great sounding drums right from a starter kit to a five or six thousand dollar you know, it's more in the how, you, how well you tune it, how fresh the heads Who's are. Who's playing it. Nicest, what, yeah, you know, right. it's feel. The hardware. Yeah, drum, yeah. Drumming is about feel, obviously. And the great ones can get a sound out of anything. Yeah, you, right. we don't, that's true. We don't particularly favor any one company where we're like pushing it going. Yeah. You know, Rogers is making some new drums. They're resurrecting it. They're amazing. I mean, there's so many great drums out there. Yeah. I did learn, though, years ago that from a producer or somebody that there are no as an engineer. He said that there are some kits that are acceptable for studio work and some that just are kind of it's not that they that they would say, uh, get that thing out of here or anything like that. But like you brought in a uh, like like an old Pearl, you know, export kit or something like that into yeah. a uh, master session. They might not really, the engineer can yeah. go, but if it, you know, Yamaha recording series, there's a reason why those. Well, yeah. I mean, that basically what you're saying is if you drive a car that's 15 years old, that's got a rattle in it and yeah. the suspension isn't great. And then you drive a brand, a newer BMW, you're going to feel or there is a difference. Yeah. But it's funny you mentioned Pearl Export because when we go out in drum tech, you know, we get calls to spruce up somebody's kit, like a band that has their oh, kit. Okay. They want us to bring heads. They want to get the drum sounds dialed in. And I've worked on Pearl Export kits where I've brought heads, tuned them, and they sounded pretty good. Yeah. But your point is well taken yeah that, in the know. studio on a master session it's almost like you know uh like like a guitar player probably wouldn't bring in for a master session wouldn't bring in a an old sears you know like cruddy little acoustic guitar they're gonna have like a martin or something like yeah yeah the reason why they're called for that gig is because they have good equipment well yeah keach when we bring uh one of our clients equipment there's 
six, seven, eight snare drums. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? There's a choice, and we have a few guitar player clients, and they have a couple of trunks of yeah. guitars. But AJ mm-hmm. and Grayson, they're in, they're in, they're in the studios. Yeah. Like morning, noon, and night. So they see a lot of guys switching out. But would you say it's high end, high end gear, or it depends? Man, I mean, yeah, it just depends. That there's there's some guys that are that are playing some uh, relatively inexpensive stuff, and they're playing it as their main rig. I mean, really? just for example, Evan Hutchings has been playing a pretty inexpensive snare drum as his main drum and that's that's what he uses yeah all the time like and that's what he starts he with got every feedback from time. an engineer that said hey that thing sounds great or yeah something, exactly you know? yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah or he just liked it and then another thing what you were saying about um like somebody having a kit that's not up to you know the session standard engineers are very picky they are I i've started I've, yeah. I've learned that recently there's engineers that i'm like man this kit sounds great right and they're just like they go, eh, the kick like, drum sounds like, a little, it's not quite there yet. You know? Well, there's a lot of guys that are just like, I want it, you know, I want it dead. I yep. want the toms dead. I want the right. snare drum dead. And like, that's their thing. And yeah. that's how they know how to get a good drum sound. It's not wrong, but it's yeah. not, you know what I mean? Like there's other ways to get a good drum sound too. So a good engineer but uh, would, everybody's that's very worth his salt would yeah. take that and make it sound great. That's mm-hmm. his job. Yeah, you Keech, know? Right. that has yeah, a lot yeah. to do with who... Yeah who's mm-hmm. you know pushing the buttons and uh, i've worked on records getting drum sounds where some of these guys can get set, uh, set great drum sounds in 10 minutes yeah and there are a few out there where it's mm-hmm. you know you're just hitting the drums and hitting them and they're kind of more experimenting yeah with right. what's going mm-hmm. on in the control room yeah yeah it's definitely a, a sort of a dance between the engineer and the and the musician a lot, you know, and I think have good relationships that they've worked together for years before mm-hmm. those engineers and like Lonnie Wilson and Jeff Balding have probably played together, worked exactly. together so much. Yeah. They know each other's language, you know. And, it, mm-hmm. and one thing I noticed about in Nashville, like the difference from L.A., they work pretty fast here. Yes. And and they have a system. Everybody knows it, the 10, 2s, and 6s. The numbers system, the national yeah, that, numbers. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's like the the reading, the number system, but more the process of when they record. Yeah. And I've yeah. noticed they have their own language, too. Yeah. Like, it's a Nashville language. Like, if you say Batman, you know, yeah. the, the, those guys go, oh, you know, hit and hold, like, bump, bump. Mm-hmm. And if you say uh, a football... That that's a thing, and if you say yeah. diamond, you know, and a diamond or a Pat Boone, Debbie Boone, yeah, and, yeah, Pat yeah Boone, exactly. That's a good, they kind of have their own language. Yeah, it's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, but uh, one question I had uh, wanted to ask about COVID. Now, when COVID happened, everybody kind of had to just like halt the process. I like because uh, and your business was was just one hundred percent based on studios live you know like performing and that kind of thing and the instrumentation how did you navigate through that how did that work for you it was really really difficult and the bottom dropped out yeah we literally shut down everything's closed nobody's working and i'm going okay how long can can we we hold how long can we sustain how do i keep my guys and you know we got through it it was it was tough, but I also realized there were people, other businesses and other people that had it even worse than us. Yeah, right. So we hung in there real tough. And then yeah. when it started back up, that was another whole thing, working with masks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, right. Some people 
you know, this is this is BS or yeah. where's your mask? You can't come mm-hmm. in here. You know, it's yeah. 50-50. Who, what's yeah. going on here? You yeah. know, Did you disinfect this drum kit mm-hmm. before you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was mm-hmm. all yeah. it was all of yeah. that. But you didn't have to like break down and sell a bunch of stuff and no. sell kits and all that to try and survive. No, you actually I, hung in there. That's I awesome. asked my wife to sell some of her shoes and pocketbooks. <laughs> And she that said, was but honey, not going to happen. All these drum sets you can sell. Well. That was not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But as I'm looking around in here, I mean, this is this is like literally like a paradise. It's just like yeah, shelves I'll, and stuff. It's like when you walk into Home Depot and you have the lumber section with all the two by fours yeah. and it's plywood. Yeah. Yeah. Those huge shelves that go all the way to the ceiling. That's what it's like in here. It's like Home Depot of drums. Thank you. And we <laughs> yeah. we, we take it. You know, we we love all of us. I know, like being here you know it's a cool place to come and work and i designed the shop with these guys like you know it's pretty organized we got our rental stuff on one side our hardware symbols yeah we got a a bench area to do some basic maintenance if somebody wanted to come by here and just check it out could they make an appointment and come in here and look or look at the kits you have yeah or is it just over the phone you just say well we've got this kit and that kit well you mean like a tour well, or like if someone said to, uh, that that needed something, yeah, to, yeah, someone mm-hmm. that that needed anybody, just to see what you had. any of your listeners are more than welcome to reach out, you know. And if we have time to be um, hospitable, to show them the shop, we give. T- I don't say we give tours, but it's yeah. a cool place, like to show to walk somebody through it. Yeah, you know, and we can cool. talk a little bit about the the drum pad. What you yeah, started, I well, guess, after co- yeah, during COVID or something Keech, like that. So the drum pad was um, an idea I had. I had some space above my office space, and I decided to put a couple of one one small practice room up there for drummers, where they can go to the website and and get a code and and book time to practice right. or teach or take a lesson. Yeah, I noticed one of them had two kits in it. It had a smaller yeah. kit where the teacher would probably sit and then the full kit exactly. where the student would exactly. sit Exactly, and then one kit has like the low volume cymbals. Ah, I saw that, yeah. So, you know, you can, you can it, it allows you to just maybe, you know, experiment a little bit playing with somebody else. But the bigger room, it's not a huge room, but it's real intimate and I was providing, I was doing master classes before COVID. We had Todd Sukerman wow. do a class, Rick Murata, Chris McHugh, Eddie Bears, and it was nice. It it's it was a cool thing, and I just haven't gotten around to starting it back up. I I don't know, you know. I think yeah. the COVID thing, we know it's way we. I'm yeah. pretty sure it's behind us, but anyway, that's yeah. that's but a. You a, made it through, and here you are. Yeah, still open for business, probably doing really well. Because once COVID ended, everybody started just going in the studio and going crazy and cutting. Yeah, and aside from just Drum Paradise, um, I, I worked after working with Max Weinberg. I, I worked with Keith Urban for ten years. Just just with Chris this, McHugh. Yeah, Chris and Seth Roush, and now uh, Terrence Clark's playing with them, but um. You know, I decided to just focus on this a little bit more and, and, and focus on my family, but we're probably going to be doing some more work, you know, teching on yeah, the road right. where, you know, it's not a grueling schedule, you know. Yeah. These guys not only play great, but they also, they're great drum techs. AJ so, and Grayson? Yeah, AJ and Grayson. So I'm trying to, anything we can do 
to just keep it moving forward in a good way for everybody is yeah. is really the ultimate goal. What would you say someone that's interested in, say they're just out of high school or out of college and they're interested in a career in drum teching, what would you say, what, was the, what would the, their first move be? Yeah, I get asked that question a lot. And what I recommend is, you know, looking for work at a, at a company, you know, there's sound check in town, SIR. So a cartage company, just cartage company, and also get out and network. You know, if you're a player and you'd like to work in the business and you think you may want to get into the tech world, you gotta, you just, it, it takes time. You know, like you gotta pay your dues. But I recommend just, you know, and also staying on top of the gear, the equipment, like, you know, whether it's electronics, computer stuff or drums, kind of knowing what, what's going on. Practice tuning drums, maybe, you know, get get good at that, you know, yeah, that'd be a good base, I think, to start out for the drum tech is being able to tune. And then there's another whole side to teching that I'll I'll let the listeners know. It's not just doing the job, but it's getting along with people, of course, being able to travel, being able to put up with people be a good that, hang is what we call it absolutely you know? it's always about the hang nobody wants to be that jerk out of there on the bus you know well, that nobody there's wants usually to hang out one with. on every tour <laughs> right. you know there's somebody and don't I be ne- that guy i never wanted to be that guy <sighs> like catering is yeah. bullshit today yeah. you know it's like it is what it is man just yeah. get through it so yeah but yeah for listeners that w- that want to get into it you just got to go after it would you say maybe finding a drummer that you're friends with or something like that yeah. and going out and offering maybe free for a while just to learn the trade? So I'll set your drums up and I'll tune them and yeah, for I so think, long. And I then after you I, like it, pay I, I me. I believe um, Rich Redmond's tech, John Hall, right. who's awesome, started out like that, working for Rich, yeah. offering to just, can I shadow you? Can I help you? Can I set up your stuff at your house, at your live gig in town yeah. where there's not a lot of money? And the next thing you know, he's out. He's been with Rich for years on tour with Jason. That's awesome. So, yeah. That's a good story. I, that's interesting. That yeah. He just said, let me do it for you. Let me help you. Yeah. And then if you but like see, what I do, then pay me Yeah. at some exactly, point. Yeah. Exactly. So it's all really what 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 you want out of life and what what you what's really going to do it for you yeah do you miss la or new york at all um a little bit but i'm real happy here yeah nashville's yeah. a great place nashville's a great place it's grown as we all know it's just gotten pretty intense and crazy with all the building the infrastructures struggling mm-hmm. but um no it, I'm, I'm in a really good place i'm fortunate and blessed and a lot of my road money through the years, I parlayed into some real estate, so I had this facility built for Drum Paradise, and That's I great. built a few other warehouses that I lease out to. So you few. built this place from yeah from scratch, from really? scratch. Wow. It was an older house, I and I that. and I bulldozed. I had it bulldozed, and yeah. I, and I had this built for for Drum Paradise. I could Beautiful. never build something like this in L.A. or New York, right? Cost wise, no. just the real estate. The, yeah. the, it's the, actually the plot. impossible to do now in Nashville. Again, yeah, right. it's really everything. It keeps moving out further. You know? uh, yes. I live in Gallatin up yeah. there, and it's it's like it's getting getting pretty expensive. Yeah, it's just, but this is, I, I highly recommend if you want to be in the music industry, this 
it's pretty obvious this is the place yeah. to be. There's Music a, City. There's yeah. so much business. That, I mean, it ha- it offers all the services. Yeah. You know, you can get anything here, you know. It's awesome. Well, that's awesome. Uh, thank you for talking with me. I'm going to talk to AJ and Grayson here a little bit. Yeah, you don't and, mind I'm, and I think I'm going to leave the room. Yeah. I don't want to take up too much of your so busy I time. Stare at him. I want to see if there's a frog. I feel in like Grayson's I'm holding you throat. up or something. No, you're not holding me up. Well, you're holding up. I, like, think, busy I, think, we just, I think we just want to hear you talk because we like hearing your stories. Yeah. We, we love your stories. Well, I got. Yeah, by the way, we'll do it again and maybe we'll do another segment for your late night listeners. So we'll talk about just road stuff another time, maybe. Sure, absolutely. I got a couple of Jeff Picaro stories and. Steve Gadd. I mean, I've worked for my heroes. Yeah, I'm gonna, and they're all great guys. On another podcast, I'll come back here again, and we'll just swap stories. Absolutely, tell drum stories. You, you got some quite a few stories. We got a few crazy stories. Yeah, <laughs> through the years, I was in a band called Canyon. And I remember then, the name. Remember Canyon? Yes, yeah. I do. We didn't live here. We lived in Dallas, but, but we I were remember. here a lot. Our record yep. label was here, and uh, then I in '94, just like you, I moved here and um, with a job, which was unheard of really most be, most guys moved here not knowing they were just like i just moved here hoping i could get a gig well, i had the gig with lone star with well it was called texas sea at the time and uh the rest is history yeah here well, we still are keach thanks for having me yeah absolutely I appreciate it man thanks for reaching out and anybody that wants to check out drum paradise feel yeah, free just to look reach it up out. And, yeah it's just called drum paradise and drumparadise.com yeah. All right, I'm going to hand it over to the two stars of the show. AJ and Grayson. And I'm going to go check on my dog, Penelope. Oh, okay. Peace Penelope. out. So now we got Grayson and AJ. So um, uh, what's a typical, let's say a typical um, work day, it's cartage day, let's say. Mm. You're going to go set up Lonnie Wilson's kit or something like that, you know, in some studio. What? How does that, does it, you get her early? And Well, like Harry was saying earlier, um, we try to do it the night before if we can. Um, if, especially if there's a lot going on, um, if we have to go, uh, do some other things in the morning, we'll definitely try to set something up at night. Or if I have to get oh, sounds right, yeah. for somebody at the studio, we'll have to, we'll try to have the kit set up beforehand. Um, so generally I work during the day, Grayson works at night. Um, I'll come in, kind of see what's going on, look at the board. The kind of one of the first things I do is kind of look at the night and see like mm-hmm. what's going on at night. Like how much stuff I try to keep it even, how much stuff does, does he need to do? Yeah. And then I try to take some of that, all, so. some of that away from him and try to get some stuff set up during the day. If I can, sometimes yeah. it doesn't work out that way. I've but. seen sometimes when, well, when I, I do my own cartage. I mean, mm-hmm. because I just, we don't record that often, you know? So when mm-hmm. we do an album, I just bring my own Yamaha kit. But, um, I've had it before where we, I had the opportunity to set up at night, mm-hmm. but they said, you can't get in here until the that last session is done and sometimes they're doing multiple takes after mm-hmm. 10 o'clock and it was like 11 11 30 yeah. so they're saying yeah i think about midnight or 12 30 you can get in here and i had to come in there and set up that late yeah. is that a thing do you find yourself waiting around up here for it's, them to give you the word yeah it's i mean he can tell you it's so unpredictable they could say 9 30 they'll be out of here and then it'll be 11 o'clock and you're still I waiting i would say I mean, now though yeah. by 10 by 10 p.m yeah. like we're pretty much through with the night on the rare occasion Usually. does it go past that but there's here in nashville not only is there so many great musicians but there's great staffs at all these studios from engineers to interns and they're very gracious with us to accommodate what we need and 
um, it makes it easy on us. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. They'll, they'll try to give us their best guess. Oh, these guys were in here till 10 o'clock last night. So we're yeah. hoping it'll be then or a little earlier, yeah. but you, yeah, you just, they, they're you never at the know. mercy. The engineers are at the mercy of the artists and exactly. the producers and whoever, you know, exactly. Well, and they're, the, exactly. they're kind of the same as us. They, they want to get it done mm-hmm. and everything set up that gives them a leg up in the yeah. morning when everybody comes in. So, yeah. And they've been there since seven thirty right. in the morning, yeah. you know, yeah. and they're, they're kind of like, ready to get out of here but they can't just push people out the door you yeah know, they right. have to be sure it's a creative process right? yeah absolutely yeah. well that's cool but, so a typical yeah. day would be you get here in the morning probably mm-hmm. you know because a lot of sessions in nashville start around 10 o'clock in 10 the morning o'clock, yeah so you got to get everything set up that's, say you are setting up in the morning you mm-hmm. gotta i'll usually try to get to a studio I, I i don't try to do more than maybe one or two setups in the morning just because drums it takes a lot longer yeah. than other instruments and you know if i'm doing a couple guitars it's different uh, but usually I'll try to get to the studio around eight, eight fifteen in the morning. Yeah. Set up. Um, and Take then, your time and not be rushed. And yeah, 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 yeah. And there's and then there's other companies there too. There's other people who um, maybe that don't that try to not work at night or whatever the situation is. They have a player that went late the night before. They couldn't get their stuff in until the morning. Yeah. That kind of thing. So it's always, it's always it's constantly changing and it's yeah. it's unpredictable. But um, I like the whole process usually, of how when you get to the studio. All the microphones are neatly mm-hmm. moved to the side, and they're just waiting. They're all got their little cords rolled right. up on them. They're just waiting yeah. to inhabit the kit, and then they are patiently waiting for you to get everything set up and tweaked and turned and just right. Yeah. And then they'll go, "Are you good?" And then they start putting the mics yep. in there and stuff. That, that's yeah, really, yeah. that's what I enjoy. It's cool. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so you would normally sort of wait around after you've set the kit up for a little bit for them to mic it up. And get all their little tweaks and their little get the mics just right. Then you go in there and add some sounds to it. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, uh, we don't do it uh, for every session, but you know there are some guys that when they work, they're they're focused on getting to the, getting to the studio at the same time as the other players and not an hour before everybody. Right. Yeah. And then you know it's it makes it a lot easier for them for us to to just get the sounds with the engineer and then they just come in and yeah they're fresh ready to go. They haven't had to think about any. They haven't right. had to sit there and, and go. <laughs> right yeah right for 25 minutes you know and they're <laughs> right. not they're not like wanting to you know shoot themselves yeah but um so yeah I, I just love the whole process of how you know it's just like one thing and then another layer and then that happens and then this has to happen before that and all that yeah, yeah. i find that enjoyable mm-hmm. and usually working with great engineers like that you know mm-hmm. they're always so chill and so cool you know yeah yep. you want to just play a little bit and yep. then uh and they'll record a little bit, come back in and listen. And it's like, wow, that's me. That sounds right. great. Man. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I like that. I, yeah, I love, I love doing that. Um, and I'm hoping to get Grayson doing some of that stuff here pretty yeah. soon. Yeah, that happens uh, more in the mornings, yeah. but I'm definitely looking forward to that. But that's also kind of back to what you were saying a while ago. The benefit to getting in the night before is that way, if anybody has a need in the morning, we can be free to accommodate them however they have a need. But Harry has really taught us, and we pride ourselves on like, when the guys come in, it's ready to go. And I, mm-hmm. I really can't think of too many times since I've been here in the past couple of months where someone has called and it's been an emergency situation or someone's needed something that's not already there. I mean, mm-hmm. they're ready yeah. to go. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. we try our best. Try to get ahead of it. And we've, we've got a good flow down between AJ and I mm-hmm. um, with what the expectations are. And the other Cartage guys in town, huge shout-out to them. They're very mm-hmm. – good at what they do so yeah it's great it's something that people don't see yeah. or hear a lot about but we make it work it's like and a club 
and there's the whole a lot more to it than like just setting drums up, right? Because mm-hmm. you've got some drummers have a, a certain electronics that they yep. have to have. They have their own headphones mm-hmm. that they like to use. And Greg's they, uh, is unique. I listened yeah. to that episode last yeah. night, and I kind of enjoyed what he was saying in his Greg Morrow. Yeah, mm-hmm. his thinking behind using the MPC. I, I get that making the click more musical. Sure. I think that's awesome. Yeah. And that's a unique setup where, yeah, there's something extra besides just this wire a has to go there or, and then has to go through mm-hmm. this little mixer and then the, and you would have a yeah. sort of a schematic or a diagram of how to set that up and yeah, well we have it memorized and we have notes yeah, yeah. yeah. pass that down yeah. to me the instructions for that mm-hmm. and then it's also interesting like Harry said we have guitar we got the legendary Paul Franklin mm-hmm. great yeah. guitar players great bass players so Brent Mason um, yeah. yeah we've yeah. got some Brent, guys. not no, just, Cart- not just drummers. B. James yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great mm-hmm. so it's really more than just a drum place it's a full cartage mm-hmm. company you know? absolutely yeah. so you have to be well versed and you would go set that stuff up the guitar stuff or is that somebody oh, else oh yeah AJ yeah. and I both yeah, we, yeah. Do. So we do it all Yeah. that's a lot to learn that's a lot to it is, yeah, it is. Everybody's, you know, everybody's uh, rig pretty much, you know, it stays pretty consistent. It doesn't, it's not constantly, I know there's some guys that are like constantly changing their rig out with different things. So especially for the guitar players, it's nice that it's pretty consistent. But once you do it a few times, it's, yeah. you kind of know like, oh, he likes this amp here. He That amp stays out with here with him or that amp goes in the ISO or, or whatever it might be. Yeah. So, or he'll so, start with that cab, you know, so we plug Question for you. Um, how do you navigate being in a band? Mm-hmm. And then working at this place because you're at this place. It's almost kind of like you have to be on call a little bit because you know, like mm-hmm. we were talking earlier. Sometimes they want to come in at night or something like that. What if you have a gig? How do you how do you work that out? It's you know it can be tricky sometimes. Actually, last week uh, Grayson was on vacation and the band I was in was trying to rehearse twice and play two shows last week. So it was kind of yeah. it was uh, it was kind of crazy. I ended up actually bailing on one of the shows, but. Um, it's you know it it's kind of you just have to you kind of just have to get a feel for it, it's I it's amazing to have somebody like Grayson who I know if I needed something I could just yeah. be like hey man I need so you y'all are interchangeable in a way to give it a take I need you to cover me yeah yeah, yeah. And absolutely like if he had something going on and I needed to cover him and, and generally I work days he works nights but you know we can. We can kind of trade And the cartridge schedule is never predictable. Uh, That's course, one right. constant yeah. that we figured yeah. out. You never know. Schedule. Yeah, you yeah. just never know can when they're going to say. in the afternoon or midnight. You know, yeah. Just, yeah. And you could get, you know, we could get, this is our, um, this is our like mobile line for Drum Paradise. Oh, so yeah. He's holding up a cell phone. It could go, like a, it could go, you know, it could go off yeah. at any time. Uh, hey, man, I actually have a two o'clock downbeat uh, today. I'm sorry. Can you get me there? And it's, yeah. I, you can't say no. Like right. you just have to, yeah, but it's totally. 30. Like, what do you got to make about? it happen? You know? <laughs> and that's kind of what it is, but it's always, we're at the mercy of what we do here. We're at the mercy of everyone else, yeah. you know? And, and so we just have to be accommodating. We just have to. Now, one other thing aspect to the cartridge thing that I always kind of felt confused about was, um, some of these studios around town are kind of small, like the load in where oh, yeah. you're these car, <laughs> you, you cartridge guys are kind of fighting for space in a way. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I'm waiting for him to move yeah. so I can get my truck in there to get yeah. all the stuff out. It's like, yeah. how does it, is that kind of a pain? Or, not, or do you guys, like you said, you've worked with these people before. Do you have we a communicate. system? You kind of have yeah. to know. Yeah. You kind of have to be able to read people and you have to know, especially before you go somewhere, what, like if somebody, uh, called uh if someone with a bunch of these big trunks called in a session at a house studio i'd be like mm, okay hold yeah. on a minute let's uh figure out what you're going to take because i can't get that in the door right you know? yeah uh, but as far as the other thing um like blackbird yeah we sometimes can be you know there's not a lot of room there's like the one door 
right kind of yeah thing. yeah well we we just have to work with the other with the other guys we work you know we have to work with the studio staff and you know they're great especially blackbird and you know everywhere around town they're very they try to be very helpful um but also like the cartage crew like it's a very small group of people there's only like a few companies in town that do what we do right uh so we're all pretty we're pretty know close, each other close and in. we have yeah. a group text and so we're yeah. constantly in <laughs> yeah. communication with one right. another and even when we're not it's like aj said we're in yeah. sync with one another now that we mm-hmm. we're courteous and gracious enough to mm-hmm. know who needs the priority at the time and yeah. it works out better than you would think yeah mm-hmm. even and i would huge shout out to the other cartridge guys too even when i was new i still am relatively new but they've been more uh than kind to me and um Sort of knowing that you're new and, and yeah, and, you know, but even then, I was kind of that guy who may have took the loading dock at the wrong time, but they still, you know, mm-hmm. were very nice to me. And now I've gotten used to it and what people's expectations are. So mm-hmm. there's a flow and it works out, yeah, yeah, much, much better. So than the idea is you get in there, you get your stuff unloaded, and you move mm-hmm. your truck. You get it out yeah. of the way, and then you start if it's to a, work. If right. it's like That's a party, we call it a cartage party, which is everyone's either loading in or loading out at the right. same time. Yeah. So there's five, you know, four or five of us there. Oh, I never thought and about so that. That's kind that there of, could be load out and load in at the same time. Oh yeah, yeah. And it could be, yeah, and it could be everybody has. It, it could be where everybody's doing both, where everyone's there to pick up a player and then put in a different player or oh, two. You wow. know. Um, so yeah, that's that's a thing that happens. It's, it's it's just kind of a you know we're just looking out for each other and trying to communicate with each other. We don't. Yeah. Ever, we all understand like we're trying to just get it done and I bet and you got you guys out. probably got the best set of gloves ever you know like work gloves yeah calluses baby I mean, yeah, man, cal- I actually don't I generally don't wear gloves but really? la- the, actually I pulled my gloves out this morning it's like it's starting to get cold my oh, hands yeah, have been right. hurting a little bit so I have my gloves in the truck actually so that um, makes it tricky yeah. uh, winter weather when there's yeah. not an adequate yeah. loading space or dock mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I remember the first couple cartridges i did it was snowing and i was like oh man you bust your knuckles mm-hmm. on something and it's like that's pain yeah the, and the other cartridge guys are like why don't you got because they're doing mostly like guitars and stuff they're like why aren't you wearing gloves man like what are you doing i'm like it, drum hardware yeah it's impossible to it's like all the little fiddly yeah. things uh-huh. like i can't yes. do it with gloves i mean i guess you i can just take it. them off yeah but uh i generally yeah i don't know why well, so you how long have you been here aj um i've been here right around Three years, three years, and yeah. and and you're you're, you're great. I just came this new, year. Right? Yes, He's coming up on January. Year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which so. I've loved every minute of it. Everybody here has made me feel very welcome. Harry, Jody, and AJ, and obviously the legacy that this place has. Um, it's it's really a privilege yeah. to work here. That's cool. And Harry's such a great guy and such a such a terrific good teacher. guy. He's so, the best yeah. best boss to both I've ever of us. Had. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, man, thank you guys so much mm-hmm. for spending time talking yeah, to me and telling totally. our stories and all that. I feel like every time I do a podcast, I learn so much, even though it's something I kind of already know about. I still learn so much from mm-hmm. people like yourselves that do what you do and, you know, put a lot of expertise into what you do and care. Mm-hmm. I love Absolutely. That. Yeah. yeah. And thank you all for talking to me. And uh, totally. Thank you. We, uh, for those of who want to know, Drum Paradise is a uh, drum and cartridge company and mm-hmm. here in nashville if you need to rent a set of drums or even to practice at the what you call the drum, drum, drum pad, pad mm-hmm. the drum pad upstairs yeah. um they're here just look it up drum paradise nashville mm-hmm. and here it is we're over here in uh, berry hill 
And uh, man, it's so yep. cool. This is just like for a drummer. It's just like you walk in here and it's like. <gasps> it's a bit it's like a museum a, almost. Yeah, just right. Drums everywhere. Yeah. It's just literally a paradise of drums. It's a drum paradise in here. And uh, this is really cool. Great so, place. Well, thank you guys yeah. again. and we'll Enjoyed uh, really, it. Thank you, yeah. Keith. See you next time it. on Designated Drummers. Keith Rainwater, AJ, and Grayson. See ya. See ya.